Uh, good to see you. How's everybody, man? We doing okay? What's up, New City Church? I got I to gotta give a shout out to Jesus the Healer. Uh, our drummer, my man, Will King, is back in the house. Dude! So, if you don't know about, I don't know, he was really, really wailing, uh, wailing away at the drums on October, I think, 13th. Uh, on October 20th, uh, he didn't show up for work. Uh, and, uh, uh, oh, I just didn't say work. Didn't show up to serve uh, that morning. He had had a stroke. And the, the message that Pete got uh, from Will's wife, uh, Diana, was she said he has had a major stroke, right? And so, uh, so we all prayed. We all, did, man, what do you do, you know, and things like that. And uh, Pete went to see him. We had something going. I think I had a wedding that day I was doing. Yeah, it was a wedding. Uh, I was doing that day, uh, that Sunday, believe it or not, and, and so I called Pete on, uh, after the wedding. I was going to go and see Will, and, and Pete said, uh, he's right. He was, and I called Pete. I said, Pete, how, how's Will doing? And he goes, I'm, he's right. I'm right here with him, man. He's a trooper. He's doing well. He's doing great. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, this dude is jacked up, right? So, I mean, uh, so you know, like you want to be encouraging while he's in front of Will and all that kind of stuff, right? And, uh, and he said, uh, he said, no, he's doing great. He's doing great. He's a fighter. And I was like, oh, man. You know? And so that night, I walk into the, the hospital bed, and, and Will's, uh, and I expected to see Will unable to talk or unable to move. And there he is watching TV. <laughs> hey, Will, what's up? Hey, what's up? Not much. I'm bored. You know? I'm like, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, so, but it's been just a little bit of time to, to heal and get ready for the, and you did a Man, drums are, are beautiful, man. There's a sweet resonance when you're here, my brother. I appreciate it. So that's real cool. And uh, it's real cool. And I think I've gotten a chance to meet everybody. We have our Connect cards back. So if anybody wants to fill out a Connect card and see Judy in the back at the Connect desk, that'd be awesome. We will uh, connect. And, uh, and I promise on that. So it's, a, it, it's very cool uh, to do that. And, you know, if you haven't yet, don't know, some of you may not know me very well or uh, don't haven't listened to me preach very often and things like that. Some of you have known me for a long time, and you've known I've been a weird, strange cat for a long time. And all God's people said, "Amen." You don't have to. You don't have to hide it. It's true. Uh, we only speak truth in the church. But um, but one of the things I love to do, and one of the things that makes me, I guess, weird, is that I love to take scripture that most people take out of context and apply it to their lives. And, 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 and it's wrong. <laughs> I just, and I love pointing out, like, hey, this is what it actually says, right? Like, I, and, I, and I don't mean to do it, like, from a standpoint of all those people that are teaching it wrong. But when we're teaching it wrong and it's not right, and this is what the Scripture says, I, I, I love to point that out so that we can learn, so that we can learn to ultimately be obedient to the Lord. Amen. And that's why we want to do it right, right? So, uh, things like, one of the ones that drives me really, really crazy, you hear this a lot, uh, and, and you hear it intentionally a lot, and you hear people say things like, where two or more are gathered, there I am with you too. And a lot of people take that scripture completely out of context, not know what it means, and think that somehow, if me and another person are together, that's the church. And it doesn't make sense at all. Because when you read Matthew 18, that is in complete context of church discipline. 
And when you do it church discipline, God's way, Jesus' way, then at the end of that he said, where two or more are gathered in my name, in the context of church discipline, I'm with you there too. Does that make, does that make sense? So we got to kind of look at scripture for what it actually says and not try to apply it to something different. Because a lot of people take that, see, see, I don't need the church. I don't need to be a part of the church. I don't need to be part of that at all. I, I can get together with another person. That's church. Well, technically, yes, you can have fellowship, and yes, you can be with Jesus, but, but if you have to wait for somebody else for Jesus to be with you, there's a problem, right? Because if I can't be alone as I'm reading Scripture, as I'm doing different things, as I'm watching the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, yeah. I'll be with other people. But you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Everybody said, hallelujah, amen. Oh, you brought, somebody brought a, a sweatshirt, so if anybody needs a sweatshirt, Kind of, a, kind of a small, medium kind of a sweatshirt. Let me know. Uh, somebody brought one in for the church. Anybody wants to use one? And I had a buddy let me borrow this again this week because it was such good luck last week. Uh, and I almost got ramrodded bad last week after the first quarter. People would be like, dude, don't ever wear that again. Um, so yeah. I was like, yeah, I told y'all every time I wear cheese stuff, we don't win. So it's just like, but, uh, but uh, you know, another thing, way that, uh, that I love to look at the scriptures, things like Romans 12, 1 and 2, where it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is in context of church unity, being unified of one, one mind. You read Romans 1 through 11, it's all about being unified. It can't be about an intellectual pursuit of God, right? People use it all the time and those kinds of things. And I, and I love that. I love that, that people are at least reading it and applying it. But, but ultimately, if you are not careful, you're going to apply it into some other thing that doesn't really make sense contextually and scripturally. And you're going to miss the message of what God says for us to do. And last week we learned in this series called Mrs. Jesus. I got a great story about this, by the way, this week. I was with a group of about 25 pastors. I, I lead a network, uh, uh, part of a network of church planters. And so we go in and we coach and we, you know, help build, build each other up. Pete was there this week and, and I got to, got to say, hey, uh, Pete, just listen to what this guy says. So I get one of the, after the meeting, I get this, one of the church planters sitting down next to beside me. He goes, dude, tell me about this Mrs. Jesus thing. Right? Isn't that fun? I said, well, tell, what happened? He goes, well, he goes, I got a text from a friend of mine who drove by your sign and said, dude, you're not going to believe this. What is this crap about, right? <laughs> Mrs. Jesus, right? I love that, right? Because you know, these people are getting people talking, right? And they're like, hoping to understand. Because people don't understand what the church really is, right? And I love this. And I said, I said, well, well, what did you say? He goes, well, I asked what church it was, and they said New City. I said, oh, I know them guys. They're legit, right? They're, they're, they love Jesus. They love the Bible. They're not trying to make anything weird about Jesus' gender or anything like that. You know, they're not trying to call Jesus something that he's not, you know, that kind of thing. But he goes, but that is correct, right? I said, yes, that's absolutely right. And I said, what did you say? And he said, I told her, maybe it's about the bride of Christ. Have you ever thought about that? And, you know, his friend was like, oh. Okay, that makes, that makes total sense. See, this thing about Mrs. Jesus really does lend itself to a lot of really cool conversations, some sharpening conversations, some, some penetrating conversations that really uh, help people to understand what our role in the church is. Conversations like, what is this Mrs. Jesus about? This is, dis this is despicable. I can't believe you're saying things like, Mrs. Jesus, and I saw that on your Facebook, and I'll get a message about those kinds of things. 
And, and it lists the conversations like, well, how many people have you told you're disgusted about the church saying this? Well, a lot. I said, well, do you understand that you are actually without understanding, without asking questions, without having information, without knowing the truth about why we're calling it that, you have actually dis, like, disrespected Jesus' wife because this is the bride of Christ is what, who we are, yeah. right? So you've slandered her, talked badly about her. And we've all done it in some way. And so, so for us, what I want us to do is to, to help each other understand that, that being part of the church really does mean to be, be part of the bride of Christ. The yeah. church is called a lot of things in, in, in Scripture. It's called the body, which is made up of many parts, all for the same function, right? All of one, one unified you know, thinking. And, and we're all to, working toward the same thing, which is ultimately preparing for the groom, Jesus, to return for, for his bride, Mrs. Jesus, right? Amen, right. So the whole idea for us in 2020 is, is to prepare. Exactly right. It's exactly right. Like, we're going to prepare. What does it look like for us? And so last week we learned, well, a couple weeks ago, we learned how to love one another, right? Or last week we, we introduced, a couple weeks ago we introduced it. Last week we learned how to, what it means to love one another. It ultimately means loving God first, which, which naturally transcends into loving uh, your neighbor as yourself, right? We talked about the greatest of commandments and those kinds of things. This week we're going to want to uh, learn how to help one another. And I'm going to take some scriptures that honestly are taken way out of context and preach, it's really fun to preach you a certain way, right? Because it, it lends itself to great preaching and it lends itself to a church that can mobilize and go do some things. And from the outside world, people can look at us and go, man, that, that's pretty cool what you guys did for the unbeliever. And, and ultimately, it, it's not even what it says. That doesn't mean that we don't go do some things for unbelievers, but ultimately what we're talking about here is helping one another, other believers. This whole idea of us becoming and being the, the bride of Christ, Mrs. Jesus, and preparing for the return of the groom, Jesus, comes out of Revelation 19, 7. This is when Jesus comes back, ultimately, for his bride. And he says, and, and he tells John, one of his disciples, who is writing this vision down, says to write these things down. It says, let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb, which is Jesus, has come, and his wife, which is the church, has prepared herself. John 14, Jesus goes to his followers and said, I must go and prepare a place for you in my Father's house, which has many rooms, right? And in the Last Supper, he gives them a glass of wine. He says to drink and do this in remembrance of me. Well, this is a reflection of how marriage proposals are done. Uh, a guy would ask a lady to marry him in the first century Jewish culture. If she drank, give her a cup of wine. If she drank from it, right, she, that's an acceptance of the marriage proposal. Then he would go into his father's house, prepare a room for the bride. When his father said that, right, that, that room is ready, he would go back for his bride, and she would never really know when he's coming back. It would be a great surprise, right? But she was ultimately prepared. Exactly right. I was... Judy and I went to watch a movie last night. We had, I had a hot date with a hot date. Um, and everybody, woo-woo. Um, but we walked out of the movie and something hit me. It was weird, you know, because this, this, this idea of 
the cup, right? And the proposal and, the, and this idea of us as a church body accepting that proposal from Jesus, right? We're going to do communion in a couple of weeks when we talk about being unified. We're going to do it together and accept that proposal from Jesus ultimately from him. But, but I was walking out last night. I was like, Jesus did it right before he, he was crucified. And it was like, you know, I think I said, this is the same pattern we see. If you remember Jesus, some of you may not remember, some of you do, but, but Jesus is, is literally at the Garden of Gethsemane praying, like freaking out about what's about to happen. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, he was sweating drops of blood. And it's like, no, this is, a, this is a, 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 a physiological reaction to someone who is almost to the point of passing out. They're so stressed out for several hours that blood capillaries in their sweat glands literally pop and it comes out of the sweat glands that's how that's how much he had to suffer for for you and i so it's an amazing thing right but but notice what he said father take this cup from me it's a pattern because when a cup is given and that cup is accepted and the cup is drank out of there's a covenant that is established there's an acceptance of a, of, a, of, a, of a marriage and a bond there. It's a, it, just, it just over and over and over in Scripture, you'll, in scripture you'll, you'll see this. And, and ultimately, what we're doing is learning what it means to prepare for the groom to come back. Amen? Yeah. Here's where I want to kind of take some of the Scriptures that, that, that get misapplied or taken out of context and actually help us to understand what it actually says. Man, we, we kicked this off Thursday night, and the Thursday night people were like, what just happened, right? It was awesome. <laughs> I just love it because it makes us think, right? It makes us kind of go, wait a second, this is actually what, what Jesus said to do versus what a pastor or my mama or my, my cousin or my, my neighbor or my brother or, or, or my coworker or my boss said scripture is i mean people get say the church ought to do this and the church ought to do that and they don't even read right listen to this matthew 25 starting at verse 31 when the son of man comes in his glory this is jesus coming back for his bride right and all the angels with him then then he will sit on the throne of his glory all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This scripture, this idea, when you see it this way, is everywhere in scripture. It's, it blows your mind. You're like, oh, it's, it's the same pattern. It's the same covenant. It's the same proposal of marriage, right? Wow. Verse 35, and this is where it gets squirrely. It does. This is where we kind of go, oh. Because people will take just the next couple of verses by themselves. Listen to what it says. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was, Jesus, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. 
out of context. And here's what preachers a lot of times will do, because I'm, I'm tempted sometimes to do these things, because it preaches really well. You gotta go visit the sick. You gotta go help the poor. You gotta go visit those in prison. You gotta, gotta go, right? Ultimately, I, I can't, it preaches really well. People are like, white knuckle, that's all right, I gotta go, I gotta go do this, right? So they'll go and they'll do all kinds of things, not even guided by God. And they'll go feed every homeless person they can feed, whether they know them or not. They're like, oh, God, that's what Jesus said to do, but it's not what he said to do. This is where it gets crazy, right? Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, I assure you. Listen, language is very important. I assure you, whatever you did for the least of these, how many people have heard just the least of these? That's where it ends. What does it actually say? My brothers of mine, you did for me. Ouch. (laughs) It says something different, right? I love the ahas when people get that. They go, dude. Because all I've ever heard in my whole life is the least of these. You fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. You gave me something to drink when I was thirsty. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to see me. And you did these for the least of these. You did these for me. And yet Jesus clarified when you did this for the least of these brothers of mine. And we know what he's talking about because when his family was looking for him, his mom, his brothers, and everything like that, his, his boys that he was teaching, he said, hey, your mom and your brothers are here. And he goes, who are my brother and bro- my brothers? Yeah. He said, the, my mother and my brothers are those who do the will of my father. Yeah. Wow. Now, is he saying, don't go help those that are unbelievers? No, he's not saying that. Does he say, don't go feed somebody? No, he's not saying that. But as you're led by the Holy Spirit, but we can't take this scripture and apply it to that and somehow thinking we're doing what God wants us to do because that's not what it says here, right? He's saying, take care of one another. Take care of each other. When you do this for the least of your, these brothers of mine, right? Amen? Does that like pop for some people? Does that like help, under, help people understand? Now, does that, again, I promise you, Things like when we, we are helping like homeless type things like City Union Mission, we're, we're giving to that. By the way, I think we gave almost $2,000 as a church. All four campuses gave almost two grand to the City Union Mission. They're, they're doing some amazing, incredible work, guided by God, guided by the, have a 700 or so every year uh, decisions of faith for the Lord. It's awesome, right? It's great evangelism stuff, but, but ultimately... They can't be guided by that because that's not what it says. It says to take care of one another primarily. Amen? Because when we love God, when we love God with everything we have, love each other, your neighbor as yourself, your brothers as yourself, ultimately. And then he says to do this for the least of these brothers of mine. This is powerful language here. Paul even writes it. In Galatians, he writes to a church in in Galatia, and Paul is one of the premier 
authors of the, I know God is the author, but ultimately he used Paul primarily in the New Testament. He wrote more than anybody there. He's, he was a guy that was a, a, initially a killer and a persecutor of Christians, and he, and he went and he was, a, was really confronted by Jesus ultimately, and he says this in Galatians 6, starting in verse 1. He says, brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual shall restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens. Who's he he writing this to? Brothers, carry one another's burdens. In this this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each person should should examine his own work. And then he will have a reason for boasting in himself alone and not in respect to someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. That's not God's desire, right? The one who is taught the message must share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows he will reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. So we must not get tired of doing, doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. I'm just, one of the things I love about being a preacher is I get to blame God if you don't like what I had to say. I, my, I didn't come up with that one. That's God's, that's God's deal, right? You got a problem with Jesus, go talk to Jesus, right? Yeah. I'm just here trying to teach what the word actually says versus what people say it says, right? Because I've got to rightly handle the word of, word of God, amen? And it's tough. Like, it's tough to not go down some of those roads that, that people have, that's where I preach you and walk away and go, good preaching. I, I, I really don't. I mean, not that I don't want to be a bad preacher, but I really don't. Is care the right word? Yes, it is. Um, but, I, but I just want to rightly handle the word of God and help us to understand what it actually says and not misapply it to something where people can use it to call the church something it's not and do things in the church we're not called to do. It's one of the reasons why I say let the Holy Spirit roll, let the Holy Spirit do its thing, his thing. Let the Holy Spirit guide us individually and collectively as a body of believers. So if we do have a mission of some kind where we do outreach and all those kind of things, that's fantastic. But our primary responsibility to the least of these is those among us that are our brothers and our sisters. So many times people want to say the church is a body and they'll apply it in certain different ways and things like that. And they'll, they'll say things like the church is, a, is a, a, a royal priesthood and yes, and church is a flock and yes, absolutely. But when it comes to the bride, we miss the understanding that Jesus is coming back for us, right? And we got to prepare. And ultimately our first responsibility is to one another. Not that we hate the outside world, we're the light of the world, but when we prepare and we serve love 
and help one another, sharpen one another, which we'll talk about next week, and we're unified, right? Then it's going to, we're going to be ready to be the light of the world versus going and doing all these things because we've taken a verse out of context and that's what we're supposed to do as a church, right? And I want us to do what God says as a church, not what man says. So when we learn next week to sharpen one another and unify, we will learn to also what it means to love the unbeliever, those outside the faith, help the unbeliever outside the faith, and sharpen and unify the unbeliever outside the faith because ultimately the unbelievers will unify against us. We've got to be okay with that. Amen? And that's what we're, we're here to do. So let people question the name. And may it be an opportunity for folks, the name of the series, I guess, and let it be an opportunity to explain that we are working toward preparation, preparing. Every time I say preparation, people think preparation H. I think one of the things, we're going to send little tubes of preparation H to everybody. Remember to prepare. If you have spiritual hemorrhoids, here you go. I love this church, man. I could say things like that and not get fired. It's awesome. It's fantastic. But Father, we love you. And ultimately, we are we're simply just wanting to do what you simply said. Forgive us, Lord, for, and you have already forgiven. We don't even have to ask for that's amazing. But show us that grace that you're so famous for when it comes to taking your word out of context and thinking somehow it's about us and somehow it's about it, it's Lord this is all about you it's for us it's amazing thank you Lord for giving us the and the blueprint for what it means to actually be the church and when we Lord man, just, just continue to remind us that when we fall into the trap of cultural expectations of what we're supposed to be as a church rather than being Mrs. Jesus, we're a charitable organization, whether we're Mrs. Jesus, we're a, a, a fun fellowship of gathering and things like that. It, it, we have charitable things that we do, Lord. We have fun gatherings, but that's not what we can be known for. We've got to be known for our passion, our love for you and one another so that nobody can point a finger at us and say, look at her. Father, as, we, as we, we do this and we finish our service this morning in our giving, Lord, may we continue to worship in the offerings that you man, have provided for us. We just give to you a little bit of what is already yours. Forgive us again for manipulating Scripture in different ways. When it comes to offering, this is your money. God, and has nothing to do um, with our stuff. It's, it's yours. And so may you take it, may you bless it. May it be an offering ultimately to prepare Mrs. Jesus, your bride, us, for your return. May it just be a blessing, Lord, to, to your kingdom ultimately, as we dismiss today. In your son, Jesus, the groom's name, everybody in the house said, amen. amen.